It's the middle of the week. This is Wednesday, and for those of you who are joining us online, we want to welcome you also. And if this is your first time to our Wednesday night service, oh boy, it is so good to see you. There are so many things that we could be doing with our life right now in this moment. But what we're saying to God is, my soul matters and my spirit matters. So we're going to invest this time into our spirit and our souls. And the good thing about tonight is that God's presence makes all the difference. Right? We're not just coming to a place to listen to a person speak. We're coming to a place where the presence of God is welcomed and a place where we can learn and grow together. So as we, as we prepare our hearts to give tonight, know this. When you have an understanding of giving to God, that's that time where you make that decision. But for those of us, because I was in that place of learning, like what does it mean to give to God? I've been to places and it just didn't seem right. Or, or you felt like, I don't think they're utilizing the finances wisely. I didn't give because I didn't understand what that was all about. But once I learned that God gave first, he gave his one and only son, and that his son sacrificed his life for me, and that God provides everything, and now I get to give back to him in the hopes that someone says yes to him as Lord and Savior, in the things we get to do as a, as a church, because the church are us, right? We're, we are the church. We're the people. That we get to collectively say to God, I want to give to you so that we all can partner together in reaching people. See, what, what we get to do and our worship team and all of our volunteers is we work together with you and partner with you in your attempts to reach your family and friends. And when we work together, then God is glorified because it's not one person. It's all of us. We all get to be a part of what God is doing. So we're going to bow our heads and, and pray over our tithes and offerings. You can join us too online. Lord God, thank you for giving us this opportunity to give to you. We give to you because you first gave to us. And it is our way of worshiping you. So as we give to you, utilize what we give to further your kingdom. We trust you with it. And we pray your blessing over it. And it's in your name that we pray. We all sit together. Amen. If you're here, we have the tithe uh, boxes in the back. Uh, if you didn't know that. And then these are the four ways that you can give. Uh, we do the, we use our app. We text to give. You can mail in your giving. And then uh, on our website, you can do that also. And then when we do give to God, he uses it so that people can find him and experience his miracles. You, you, have you ever experienced something for the first time, like you did something well, and you're like, oh, that was so good. Or like you're, uh, you fell in love, and that first person was like, wow, I'm so in love. It could have been parent to child when you first had your child. Like that, that first time that you felt that. That's what happened when Jesus did his first miracle. People were blown away like, what? What just happened? And how is this possible that this man could do this? Well, Pastor Jonathan Miyasato is going to speak on just that tonight. So can we welcome up Pastor Jonathan as he comes and shares the word of God? Let's go, Jonathan. Let's go. Thank you. Nice shirt. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, good evening, everybody. Tonight, we're going to um, kind of depart from the topical uh, style of teaching. Uh, most, of, most of the time, when you come on a Sunday or Wednesday, the teacher will usually pick a topic uh, so, such as like uh, God's love, his forgiveness, etc. And the teacher would do an exhaustive study on all the scriptures that correspond to that topic. 
But what we seldom do is, is do a verse-by-verse verse study uh, on a Sunday or a Wednesday. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, you know, I need to do this. Because when we do our devotions in the morning, that's what we're doing, right? We're reading verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter. So tonight we're going to try and do something a little bit different. But you will see that the Word of God is so powerful and rich and there's so much depth in every single word written in the scripture. And it just blows my mind. It's amazing. So tonight we will be doing a study on the very first miracle of Jesus Christ. This is when he just started his ministries. He gathered his disciples. And uh, his first miracle was at a wedding of all places. Now, I used to wonder, why is it that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding? But I kind of figured it out. Because if you've ever been married, if you, ever, if you are married, or you're planning to be married, you need a miracle from Jesus. <laughs> it's only funny because it's true. It's true. I tell you, you need a miracle. But we're going to take a look at that portion of Scripture this evening. And uh, let's take a look at uh, John chapter 2, okay? And we're going to be in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I'm just going to do a verse-by-verse study. And this is called an expository study. That means what we're doing here is we're looking at the historical and the cultural norms of the first century when this was written. You know, so oftentimes you read this Bible and we're like, how does this apply to me, you know? This is written so long ago, over two millennium ago, and how how is this going to apply and speak to me? So expository means that we just take the cultural and the historical things of that time and put ourselves in that situation. You know, we have to kind of almost imagine us as being one of the characters in the Bible. I asked a friend one time because I was struggling with reading the Old Testament, you know, like the, the Chronicles and the Kings and the Leviticus, you know, those things I was just reading through and not getting anything. And I asked my friend and he, he told me this, he said, John, what you have to do is you need to imagine yourself as a character in the scripture that you are reading. And that changed everything for me. Because as I read through Zacchaeus, the, the dis, just disliked tax collector, you know, when I read that, I'm him having that interacting, interaction with Jesus. You know, I am the woman at the well who was just shamed and guilty, but received God's grace and his love. You know, so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to put ourselves in this portion of Scripture. So let's go ahead and follow along. Chapter 2, verse 1. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. 
But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told his servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants would follow his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, um, pour your spirit out this evening. Illuminate every single rich and powerful word in your scripture and may it cut to the core of our being tonight. I pray this in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Okay, so let's go scripture one, one and two, okay? On the third day, a wedding took place in, at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. Third day, third day. Third day, or the number three, is a very significant thing in the Bible, isn't it? Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days, you know. Peter was asked by Jesus three times, do you love me, before his heart and his spirit and his soul was restored, you know. The Godhead is the Trinity, Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three is significant. And on the third day of the wedding, Jesus did a miracle. And I'm thinking, okay, historical, cultural now, yeah? Three days at a wedding, that's crazy. I cannot even handle three hours at one wedding, you know? I, I go wedding, I like just, you know, say congratulations, eat my rubber chicken, and dig out. That's all I like do. But three days at a wedding, that's amazing. But historically, and I just did a study and a research on one of the commentaries of my Bible. Back then, that was the norm, to have a three to four day wedding. Because you couldn't just jump in your Prius and drive 10 miles to Cana from Nazareth. You had to walk there. So a wedding lasted a long time. And the host is supposed to make sure they're lodged, they have enough food to eat, enough water, enough wine. Okay, so that's significant. That's significant. Now, Cana was just seven to 10 miles away from Jesus' hometown in Nazareth in the district of Galilee. So we can also deduce from this that the mother of Jesus, Mary, Jesus and his disciples knew the bride and the groom. They were from the same area. So they were invited guests. They weren't here, they didn't just pop in here and crash and wedding. They were invited to be there, okay? Next verse, verse three. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. 
Now, today, if we have go to a party when luau and wedding, if you run out of food, that's make shame, right? That's the shame. But back in the first century Jewish weddings, if you ran out of wine, you could be sued. You could be in like real deep kimchi if, if you ran out of wine. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. So Mary, <clears throat> obviously, she was not just a guest there because she, that problem of running out of wine was on her. It was on her shoulders. That's why she went over to Jesus and told him, hey, we have no more wine, you know? What are we going to do? Because Mary was frantic, we can, you know, frantic, we can assume that maybe she was like the food and beverage manager of this event, this gala, this wedding. Very, very important. And she had a lot of responsibility. Verse 4. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. Wow. You notice how Jesus used the word woman? Talking to his mom, saying, woman, you know. You know, I... Because I'm such a super chill guy and I'm 52 years old, I live at home with my parents, okay? <laughs> now, if I was to go to my mom one morning and say, woman, where is my breakfast? <laughs> Guarantee Medevac Queens Critical Care Unit, okay? And I was thinking, well, this seems kind of harsh for Jesus to address his own mother this way, but actually... It's not, because what Jesus was doing, he wasn't being disrespectful. He was signifying a change of his roles, the beginning of his ministry, and just the maturity of who he was. You know, he was the son of man, 100% human. He was the son of God, 100% deity. But now is a time where Jesus had to change and transition to the role of being the Messiah and the king. And he, that's why he said woman, not out of disrespect, but out of significance of him changing that role. Okay? You know, Mary must have knew, okay? You figure this, okay? Mary went to Jesus and said, we got a problem, we know more wine. I'm in big trouble if you don't help me. She went to the only person who could actually help that situation. When we get a phone call, or we get a notice, or an email, or we get some sort of news that stirs up all kind of anxiety and stress, and we start to worry, and there's a problem at bay, who do we go to first, or what do we go to first? Sometimes back in the day, my default setting was immediately to escape by means of you know, self-medicating. But Mary knew that Jesus was able to do the impossible and to conduct a miracle in this really, really desperate situation. She went to the one person who she knew could solve the problem. And that might be the word for you tonight, you know. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, something will happen. Because in life, something always does. But when it does, who is our go-to guy? It's got to be Christ. It's got to be Christ. Okay? So, 
But his mother told his servants, told the servants, just do whatever he tells you. Okay, so this confirms that Mary was something of authority at that wedding because she, she commanded the servants to do what Jesus told them to do. So she was something important at the wedding. Do whatever he tells you to do. That might be the word for you. It might be the word for me. Okay? Because as we read, as we come to church, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we're driving in a car or eating breakfast, sometimes you just know Jesus and the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something. But we fight. We fight. No, I don't like, Lord. I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to call and apologize to somebody. I, you know, I felt wrong me or, or, or I don't want to make right with this person who, who upset me, you know. Sometimes Jesus is telling you, Holy Spirit is telling you, just do what he says. And this is what Mary told the servants. Just do what he says. <clears throat> okay. Verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Okay? Six stone, clay, stone pots, huge, can carry 30 gallons of water. One gallon of water weighs 8.34 pounds. Back then, no more hose pipe. You can just run and turn on and fill up. These servants had to follow the instruction of Jesus and it was by no means an easy task. They had to go, what, six times 30 is 180. They had to probably go to a distant place, scoop up water 180 times to fill up those six pots and obey whatever he told them to do. Now, that's kind of crazy. Okay, again, put yourself, for the rest of this scripture, I want you guys now to be the servant, the servant who Jesus told to do these crazy things, okay? You are now that person. If I was a servant in that time, Jesus told me to do this, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's a lot of work. This will take us hours to do. Besides which, the problem is not a lack of water, it's a lack of wine. It just doesn't make sense, Jesus, how many times in our lives do we need to follow just do what he says, Jonathan, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will turn you around in your car and go back to that one person and bite him on spam musubi. That might be, doesn't make sense. I'm already late for work. You know, I'm going in the other direction. I don't like to see that guy, but the Holy Spirit just prompts you to do that. And it's hard, but you know what? These servants obeyed Jesus. And that's what predicated the miracle. Because no miracle of God comes just like that without somebody doing what he says and being obedient. Okay? I'm standing here before you this evening 
not because I deserve to be up here. Oh, gosh, no. Okay? No way. But there was a point in my life where I just decided I'm going to do what he says, even though it doesn't make any sense to me, even though I can't apparently see what Jesus is trying to do in my life. I'm just going to do what he says. And I did that. Every day, I just tried to do what he said. It might be a small thing. It might be a big thing. But obedience is the precursor of a miracle. Okay? So that's the point. Just do what he says. Just do what he says. Okay? Maybe some of us, maybe some of us, uh, God is saying, you know, I want you to stay away from what you are doing. Or maybe God is telling you to repent and sin no more of something that you're into. Okay? You know, we're painting these, uh, these, these you know, the grounds, the building, and it reminds me of a story of a, a, a church on the mainland. And the church needed to be painted. So there was a contractor who attended Sunday services, kind of a new Christian, and uh, he sat down with the pastor, and they worked out a contract, you know, Okay, this is the money that we're going to give you. You know, you need to buy the paint and whatever's left over is your pay. So being a new Christian, kind of a, you know, not, not too solid believer, he looks at the paper and says, hey, you know what? If I buy less paint and I just thin it out, then I can increase my profit margin. So, okay, he does that. He starts painting the church, almost Paul. He gets to the steeple, which is the last part that he wanted to paint. And he's painting the steeple. He's, he's kind of just hanging on. And all of a sudden, out of the blue sky, boom, crack of lightning strikes the steeple. And he's just hanging over there. He's hanging over there. And out of the blue sky comes a thunderous loud voice from heaven. Repaint and thin no more. Okay. Crickets, crickets. I hear crickets. <laughs> so you got to just do what he says, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's read John 2, 8 through 11. Okay, and we'll finish up with this scripture. He said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instruction. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. The miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Again, put yourself in the place of the servant. Put yourself, can you imagine, okay, you being a servant, dipping out what you knew is water from the, from the jars, okay? You know as water. You don't know what's going on. You don't have the luxury and the foresight of reading scripture 2,000 years in the future like we do. You are over there and you're trembling because you know that if you take that water 
and you give it to the master of the ceremonies, touches his lips, and that thing is still water, you could be beaten. It took faith that was action, active, kinetic, in motion. That servant had to step out and say, okay, I I might get beaten, I might be thrown in jail, but I have to move out on my faith. It cannot be a static faith or stationary faith. It's just like love. Love and faith is the same thing. You cannot just say, I love you, I love you, I love you, but do not display it. It has to be an active, kinetic action. Faith is an action. And this servant, put yourself there now, he did. He obeyed in faith. He stepped out. A good friend of mine told me, you know, John, I've been through real rough trials lately, but without those trials, you know, what, what would I need faith for? We're all going to encounter trials. If you are not in one, you're headed for one. If you are just coming out of one, you're going to have another one again. But the trials and tribulations of our lives are opportunities for us to activate our kinetic fate, to dip the water and, and just go and just do what he says. <clears throat> Maybe I'll get boss up or maybe I might get leaking, but that's okay. I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to do what he says and I'm going to activate my faith. Some people here or online, you guys are young people ready to graduate high school or college. And the Lord might be telling you, confirmed in your word, confirmed in your spirit, that you should go on a missionary missionary work, that you should go into full-time ministry, you know, and it just doesn't make sense. I can't afford it. It's dangerous, but God won't let you go because that's the call on your life. You see, God has a call on every single one of you, every single one, and although we may run from the call, that call never changes, yeah? I was called to be a pastor 30 years ago when I was serving with Pastor Sheldon in the youth. I ran as far as I can away from that calling. But that calling does not change at all. If you are called to be a missionary, an evangelist, a mother, a father, a boss at your workplace, whatever it may be, whatever God appoints you and anoints you to be, that call never changes. And sometimes we got to just activate our faith. Okay. To close, to close, okay? Uh, Jamie, if you could come to the keyboards. Now, again, from the time the servant scooped the water out of the jars, okay, until he went to the master of the ceremony and presented that cup to the master of the ceremony, we don't know, because it doesn't say in the Bible, at what point the water turned into wine. Was it when they started filling up the jars with buckets of water that it turned? Was it when he, the servant, dipped the cup into the water? Was it in transit from walking from the jars to the master of the ceremonies? Or was it when the cup touched the lips of the master that it turned to wine? 
I don't know because it doesn't say. But here's the encouraging word for us tonight. That I don't care if it's your 99th prayer for something or someone. I don't care if you struggled with chains of addiction for, for years and years. I don't know. But at some point, if you just do what he says, then you activate your faith. God will do a miracle. Jesus can indeed do the miracle. But it takes an activation of your faith. It takes an obedience and just say, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to do it. Do what you say. It doesn't matter. This life is temporal. I'm after the eternal. So let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Lord God, that your word is rich and powerful and the depth of your word is just unfathomable. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were able to demonstrate to us just what you do every day. You do miracles every day. Holy Spirit, help us this week to activate our faith, to just do what you say, and to trust that at some point between that water jar and the lips of the master of ceremonies, a miracle will indeed occur. So, Lord, we thank you. And, and, and Lord, if there are some of your people out there online or even here who just stumbled upon this and heard this message and it's like, whoa, whoa, what is this going about? But all I know is in my spirit, something is telling me that I got to receive Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My encouragement to you and this word tonight is that you do what he says. And all you have to do is open up your heart and believe in your heart and acknowledge with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and on the third day he rose again. And that you are my Lord and my Savior. And I trust in you. And now my sins are forgiven. My life is not going to be perfect. But now I have the power of the Master and the King of the universe to help me through this. So Lord, I just pray blessing upon all of my fellow believers, my brothers and sisters and the saints. I pray in Jesus' name, give us a great week. May you be glorified in everything we do, say, and think. In the mighty, precious, precious, and matchless name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. Um, we have service uh, 7, 8.30, and 10. You guys have a splendid evening. Drive safe. Aloha. <laughs>